We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel and special guest after a big win, Will Jackson. What's up, guys? How are we doing? I'm good. How are good you guys doing? Very, very swell. Always nice to have a guest on the Brooklyn Buzz. Yeah, Will's been awesome for OTG, writing a lot of great Nets articles. We figured we'd get him on there, especially after a beatdown on the Pistons, 103.75. Just domination. Before we get into it, though, uh, check us out. iTunes, Block Talk Radio, OTGBasketball.com, NetsRepublic.com, Dash Radio, and YouTube. I'm going to pass it over to you, Jack. So, fellas, I'll put it straight to you. The million-dollar question. Was this the biggest win um, of the next season? Easily. I I mean, when you're coming in and it's a playoff atmosphere, you know, people were telling me it was a sold-out game. Easily the biggest one of the season for me. 100%. I agree with Will here. I think this was the most pressure and the biggest win the Nets have had since 2015 when they were in the playoffs. And Will brought up a great point. The playoff atmosphere in Barclays Center, I wasn't there, obviously, but our guy Brian Fonseca was posting videos of Barclays, and it felt live, and you could even hear it on the broadcast. It's saying something. I mean, I would have paid a, a lot of money to to be there myself. But um, I, I think that, yeah, like you guys said, the, the turning point, um, we've had plenty of them sort of this season with this sort of team, and there's just been these moments. But, you know, no bigger moment and no bigger stage. And against one of the best teams, the most formed team in the NBA, I believe they've had the best net rating since like February or something. So yep. them and the Houston Rockets have been absolutely balling lately. But um, obviously that first quarter and that second quarter, that first half really set the tone. You know, uh, the Detroit Pistons only scored 35 points, while the Brooklyn Nets themselves scored 34 points. Uh, give us a rundown of that first half, lads. Yeah, I mean, it was a little bit of an up-and-down first half, but uh, the Nets really were able to pull away with it in the second quarter. Rodion's provide a lot of sparks with his breakaway steals and the dunks. Uh, what do you think, Nick? Yeah, honestly, the defense for me, just like 
the juice, the energy. They just came physical. You mentioned Rodion's. He brought some great intensity on Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin wanted to punch him in the face by the end of the game. But Rodion's <laughs> was in there, steal and slam Jack. He had like three or four of them in this game alone. It was just really good energy. And also D'Angelo Russell, maybe the best defensive performance I saw from him effort-wise, especially when it mattered in the first half. He had a couple steals, you know, offensively a couple errors. But defensively, I thought the overall team was great. You know, the team defense was on point. We talked about this in the last show, Jack. A lot yeah. of great communication. Also, I think Kenny made some slight adjustments to the zone defense. We saw Rodion's at the top and almost like the center top where they were playing a 3-2 zone. So definitely something to keep an eye on. I really love the, the coaching and the energy. Just everything from the beginning just felt good about this game. Right. Okay. So, I, I mean, essentially you want to have your best defenders out there on the perimeter to stop, you know, the ball from getting into the inside and um, you, you have your sort of two bigs down low. But I, I like the adjustment that Kenny's making from the sounds of it. And, you know, to force turnovers, you know, obviously we had turnovers ourselves and um, to out-rebound them, you know, obviously we talked about Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin, just the, a dynamic duo right there and absolutely destroy them with points in the paint as well. Seems like a lot of those KPIs and those key indicators that we sort of look at when we're talking about the Nets guys that, the Nets just really did well. They shot the ball okay as well. And they just, you know, they defended well, forcing, you know, Detroit, a, a very good offensive team of like less than 28% from the field. Yeah, perimeter defense was on point. You know, they got some early threes in the in the second half. They got a couple open looks that they knocked down. But early in the game, they were able to shut them down. In terms of the rebounding aspect, I thought it was a great team effort. And even when Andre Drummond did get his offensive boards, you know, Jared Allen was right there and making his life difficult. Definitely Drummond and Blake were not happy with the Nets after this. Any thoughts to add, Will? Uh, yeah, I mean, Blake Griffin was cold from the field. He was 1-10 this game. Uh, he was minus 20 on the floor. Drummond was really cold from the field as well. I mean, he grabbed 20 rebounds. But there are a couple of non-calls that could have been called on him. But bottom line, he was hot. He was hot yeah. by yeah. the game. Yeah, that happens. You know, he's the – I still believe the, the leading rebounder. And I, I, I think the what you pointed out to Nick, I, I like, is the fact that he made him earn it in Jared Owen. I think the confidence that he got from that performance, we were talking about his physicality, and I did that breakdown for Nets Republic. The mentality was the number one thing there. But just looking at the box stat, fellas, Alan Crabb, 35 minutes, 10 more than the next guy on the roster. What was um, – he had a double-double himself, 10 rebounds. First career double-double. Um, yeah, like, what's going on there? Four, six, and three. Is Alan Crabb back? Well, like you said last episode, Jack, he's hot and cold a lot. But uh, tonight when he's hot, I feel Kenny just has the confidence to roll him out there with the unit with D'Lo and Allen yeah. and Harrison. And I think that really works well for the Nets when he's going. And if he's not, we've seen in the past, Kenny will bench him. Yeah, I felt like the chemistry is starting to get a little bit better with some of that starting unit. You know, him and Joe Harris are connecting a little bit. One thing, I, you know, Alan Crabb, I think, just had an under-the-radar game. But like you said, Jack, you know, and Will, great shooting. Also, the 10 rebounds, I felt like, just echoed the team rebounding aspect that they focused on in this game. But the four assists really stuck out for me. He just felt like he was playing basketball tonight. Yeah, and that's sort of what you want. And I think Alan Crabb has shown that in spurts, you know, in his net tenure, just his ability to sort of uh, occasionally, you know, when his shooting game isn't on, he can still read, he can still defend well, he can still do those energy sort of things. And I think that's what Coach Kenny asks of all of his players. And, and in terms of Alan Crabb tonight, you know, yes, the four or six and three is nice, but those double-doubles and those four assists is probably um, what sticks out as well. But uh, I think we have to touch on the, the maybe one negative what I saw in, in the Bleach Report notifications that got sent. Tamari Carroll went off only 13 minutes tonight. Can you guys give me some more information about that? Yeah, I mean, he was able to hop back up after the injury, but I feel like with the Nets, they had a big lead. They were just wanting to be precautionary with the injury, keep him out for the second half. I'm not sure we'll see him against Oklahoma, but uh, we'll see what the injury report says. Yeah. 
Yeah, pretty much Will was spot on there. I do believe there was like a timeout and then he came back in as well. So I think he would have been okay if they really needed him. But like Will said, they're going to be precautionary. I wouldn't be surprised if he got the rest against OKC with this big stretch coming up. So something to keep an eye on. You know, what didn't look terrible, Blake just kind of fell into his leg. But Damari wasn't planted, so that kind of made it safe. Jim Smarco brought up a great point on the broadcast. Yeah, and Blake's a big lad. But um, in in that sort of sense, uh, just to sort of follow up, if, say, this OKC game or if this was a playoff game we had coming up, would you have expected Damari Carroll to suit up? Yes. Yeah, 100%. Okay, cool. And I'm assuming just looking at the the general dispersion of minutes, uh, Jared Dudley sort of stepped up in his place in terms of the minutes played? Yes, he did. And one and thing how- that I really sticks out for Dudley, uh, he does a really good job of like the semi-transition of setting like a really high screen that just okay. puts the defender out of position and kind of sets him up. And I think that uh, Karis LeVert and Spencer Dinwiddie and D'Angelo Russell all benefit from that. Any thoughts on Jared Dudley from you, Will? Yeah, I mean, I feel like he was just able to fill in for Carroll when he uh, got hurt. Um, you know, Dudley, he took some threes that didn't go in, but he's been cold. He hasn't played in the last few games, so that's expected. But I... Uh, He's able to fill his role nicely, play good defense. Like Nick said, he plays good transitional game. And, uh, yeah, good game from him. Yeah, I mean, is he the ready-made replacement going up against OKC? Does he play 25, 20 minutes plus, obviously 15 minutes tonight? Um, if you if you add in, you know, Damari Carlos, that's 28 minutes there, which is essentially what you sort of expect from the backup sort of power forward, small forward position, or could we see Rondé or Trevion Graham if he's back sort of step in? Yeah, Trevion's back, I'm sure. Kenny likes playing him. Uh, he hasn't been – he wasn't good when he was playing the last few games, but I feel like if he's healthy, Kenny likes throwing him to him out of the big three there. Uh, if not, I think it will be Rondé. Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised with whoever he throws at. You know, they actually – Rodion's got some good rest in this game. I wouldn't be surprised if he picked up a bigger minute load against OKC and then they only played Dudley a smaller role or Rondé or Trevion, whoever it is. Six of eight from the field from one day. Just looking at just our general box score, um, the efficiency just really stands out. But, Nick, the, the key question, and Will, the key question sort of is, is, there, is our big three, DeAnza, Russell, Spencer, Dinwiddie, Carol Silver, how did those guys mesh? How are they individually tonight? You know, I think Karras played well tonight. I mean, it was a nice bounce-back game from him, 12 points. Uh, he was 6-13 uh, from the field. Um, he bounced back pretty well. Uh, I think Dinwiddie, he always goes off against Detroit. And uh, D'Angelo, it's been a little cold recently from uh, the offensive standpoint. But like Nick said, he's been playing well defensively lately. And I think uh, – I don't think we'll see all three on the court at all for the rest of the season. But I think that playing two of them at once really worked well for us. Yeah. Yeah, I think you see the chemistry starting to pick up. Like uh, Will was starting. I'll start with D'Angelo. Offensively, there was a couple bad shots, but a couple elite passes. He got a little sloppy with the ball in the second second quarter, but like I mentioned, defense was good. Karis LeVert got some extra minutes in this one, especially with the blowout, and I think that allowed him to get a little bit more rhythm. You know, LeVert's having no issue getting in the paint or getting to the rim. It's just kind of finishing some of those touches and hitting his jump shot, and obviously that's been an issue. A little out of control with the five turnovers. And Dinwiddie just gives me, like, a relaxing factor when it comes to the game. Like, I just feel like the Nets are going to be good when he's out there. He just does a great job of kind of controlling the offense. He does a great job getting to the rim, getting to the free throw line, seven free throw attempts tonight. He's just a guy the Nets really missed when he was out. Yeah, he transforms this team in so many different ways in terms of his penetration, his ability to get to the line, 7-7 seven seven from the free throw line, despite the fact that we were 14-22 overall. So that means, you know, the rest of the team was 7-15. to 15. So <laughs> obviously Spencer makes the team look a lot better. And with him out there, it just um, does, obviously, his little spurt out. And I think he might have mentioned this in the post-game press, so it's partly why I'm bringing it up. Is he still six man of the year for you guys? 
He's right up in there. I mean, the only thing that'll hurt him is the games played. Like in right. my my opinion, being coming off the bench as a point guard, you have such a huge impact on the game. And the fact that he closes games, and it's not like he just scores; he initiates the offense. So in my eyes, I like his impact the most. But I'm a little biased. Well, what are you thinking? You know, to me, I don't think he's going to win it. Uh, even though I'm a Nets fan, I'm biased. I still think it's going to go to Lou Williams. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just so hard to tell what the writers or whoever votes um, wants in the sixth man. You know, are they going to look at the games played? Are they going to look at the impact? Are they going to look at team record? You know, sixth man is one of those things that's really hard to judge how much an impact that player has. But uh, I don't know. I, feel, I still think it's Lou Will right now. Yeah, it's a myriad of factors. I think, you know, it's almost been renamed the Lou Will Jamal Crawford Award. If, if anyone <laughs> if anyone could beat him, uh, it would be Spencer Dinwiddie based off his impact. And uh, I'm so glad we've got him locked up. I remember speaking about that with Nick in, in numerous episodes. But um, we spoke about just from the in, in our pregame um, in the last one, Nick, and postgame in the last one, speaking about the guards. Reggie Jackson played 18 minutes and Ish Smith 29. Um, what was going on there? Was it just matchups? Was it just Reggie just not being um, his normal self in terms of this l- most recent stretch? What 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 were your thoughts from there? That will and Nick. Well, Reggie Let's Jackson just honestly, got hurt. Oh, go ahead, Will. Yeah, Reggie got Reggie Jackson got a little banged up halfway through the game, and he missed a little bit of time. That's kind of why his minutes were down. Uh, Nick, do you have something to say? Pretty much, I'll tell you exactly how he got injured. So. Jared Allen's had a screen on him. He was trying to ride Jared Allen a little bit, picked up Jared Allen's leg. His foot ended up hitting Reggie Jackson in the groin. And Reggie Jackson was out the rest of the game because of that. Oh. I think he possibly could have came back, but at the point he was probably good to go. The Pistons were already getting blown out. You know, Blake only played 25 minutes. You know, him, Reggie Jackson-ish kind of split so more minutes. Obviously, Reggie plays more, but I felt like it was partially the blowout and then obviously getting hit and, you know, where the sun don't shine. Yeah, <laughs> makes makes complete sense. Um, in terms of this game, guys, uh, what sort of adjustments do you expect to see? Um, you know, with Damari Carroll out, um, a, a, a completely different outfit in the Oklahoma City Thunder, who the Nets have matched up well against in the past. But you know, taking some momentum in what's a, a really tough stretch is obviously going to be really positive. Or is it more of the same? What are your sort of takeaways and, and sort of forecasting forward? Yeah, I mean, it's a revenge game for the Nets. They blew a 23-point lead in the last game that they played against them. So, look forward to that. Uh, What stands out to me is who's going to guard Paul George because he's obviously going to be top three in the MVP race this year. And uh, with if Damari's out, Damari's arguably one of the Nets' best defenders. So, it's going to be interesting to see. I think think that's still going to be Joe Harris on Paul George, but I don't like that matchup. One positive for the Nets is Paul George has been a little bit cold. There's been some rumbling about him having a shoulder injury. So that kind of benefits them because I think, like you were saying, well, they might not be able to deal with Paul George, but I think they'll do an okay job with Westbrook. You can kind of force him to taking bad shots. One positive that I think, like, the Nets as a unit, as a team organization, they got to believe they can play this level of defense every night, and they hit a different level that we probably haven't seen all season long. You know, shutting down the Pistons with 35 points in the first half, a team that, like Jack mentioned, has been one of the hottest teams in the NBA since February is big, so they just need to build all that defensive momentum, the adjustments, the energy, the communication. It was all on point tonight. Just continue that on the road trip, and you're going to come away with some success. Yeah, and if you know defense wins games, and especially at this point in the season where you know teams wax and wane, you know I, I think that the Nets play the right sort of way in terms of you know they emphasize threes and, and driving. So you're going to get some easy enough buckets. It's just what you do on the other end. But um, I, I, I'll sort of say on, on the Paul George sort of thing. You know, the rotator cuff injury, we sort of heard from, uh, I think, Rosalind Gold or whatever her name is with the ESPN with some interesting insight that he still doesn't have a lot of strength in that sort of area. So 
if he puts up a heap of shots, then it, it, he might not be as efficient as he once was. And it's not the best time to be getting injured as well. So hopefully the Nets have got them at a right time. The Oklahoma City Thunder, for me, before this Houston Rockets streak, were you know the, one of the big contenders out West, probably the third team for me right now, or around the same sort of level as the Denver Nuggets. So if the Nets can get a win here, you know that just gives you even more momentum, more confidence, because that's probably what you need more than anything. Uh, and I think now having Jared Dudley probably playing a little bit, if he does end up playing or Trevion Graham gets back, um, his role is going to be, you know, certainly impactful. Um, but yeah, it's going to be continue the same things, it seems, and, you know, make the relevant adjustments. Uh, in terms of Joe Harris on him, I mean, I, I can't say enough good things about Joe Harris. I know he's not the best defender. Um, I would personally like to see a Karras Avert, if not a Trevion Graham, when he gets back to spend some time in as well. And even if it's Karras, it's just like, look, we just want you to be like, you know, an all defend, all NBA defender right now and stop, you know, an MVP contender like Will mentioned. So it'll be a tough one. But um, if we play like the way we did tonight, then this, we're certainly going to be in with a very good shot. Yeah, I think you can always appreciate the energy and the effort. If they play hard and they miss shots, you know they didn't shoot a great percentage from three tonight, but they still won. They fought hard. Another thing they did tonight, Will can you know attest to this as well. I thought they did a better job of getting in transition. Some of that came with forcing turnovers because of the great defense. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Rody had a lot of, like I said earlier, Rodion's had a lot of great steals that turned into transition dunks. Russell had a lot of good transition defense. I mean, it was just all around great game for the Nets. Yeah, 18 to vibe in terms of fast break points. Now, that's not going to happen every night. Um, obviously, the transition defense proves that it was pretty good there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's positive signs and heading into a tough matchup and a tough stretch, which we'll continue to reiterate. But one game at a time, take some confidence from this one. Any final thoughts, lads? No, just I'm really, I'm really happy about the win. I, I got to be honest here. You know, like they dominated them in a game that was full of pressure. I think it kind of sets up the Nets well for this uh, road trip. And just in terms of the postseason, it was a big tiebreaker. Yeah, just beat the Thunder. That's what I have to say. <laughs> I like that. Is, that's good advice, Will. Good advice to end the pot on. Yes, sir. Will, pleasure having you on for the first time. Jack, always fun talking to you. Check us out iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, OGGBasketball.com, NetsRepublic.com, Dash Radio, and YouTube. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.